figure as she listens to the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast with my dudes, Will the Thrill and Joe Static. And now, Will the Thrill and Joe Static and the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. Welcome back to the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. As you heard from the great Joel Gertner, I'm your host, Will the Thrill. And I am your co-host, Joe, 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 Static. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. We are now on TuneIn as well, and the list will keep growing. And remember, if you listen, please write a review. That's always helpful. And if you write a review, either on iTunes, Podbean, we will repost it on our Instagram and Twitter accounts at SQDCircleAFP. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SQDCircleAFP for all the latest wrestling figure photos, giveaways. We do fig hunts on there. So please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And coming soon, we'll be launching our weekly YouTube live streams, the Wrestling Figure Roundtable at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. So, Joe, how's everything going this week? Everything this week is pretty much the same. Well, nothing Watch the report on my end. You know, still in the hunt. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Guys and gals, we're always on the hunt. Hashtag fig hunt. So we're out there pretty regularly. We got our pulse on what's being released. We filed the Good Brother Mike GBM report, use the Brick Seek codes, and we will get to our fig hunt stories in a little bit. But I really wanted to start first because last weekend I was sitting at home. It was Saturday evening, and I see a post from at Action Figure Attack. This is Steve Ozer, head of marketing for the Mattel WWE line. And he says, oh, I'm going to be on about seven o'clock. East Coast time, unboxing some Motu stuff, the new Motu stuff, and the Decade of Domination Wave 1. So I was like, all right, cool. Pop on there, see what Steve has to say. He's been doing this a lot lately, and I like it. So Steve, if you're listening, please continue to do Instagram Live. We love seeing the unboxings, and we love asking you some questions on there. I actually asked a few questions. And these were just fun questions because he was unboxing, again, the Decade of Domination stuff from the Walmart exclusive. And the first question I did ask was about the TrueFX scanning because he did mention how the TrueFX is on pretty much all Elite Series and Ultimate Edition Series. So my question to him was for older looks, specifically Legends wrestlers, do you use a scanning technology or is that done via sculpting? I was surprised by his answer. They actually still sculpt older looks. So when you see older legends in the line, the majority of the time they're being sculpted. They can't use that scanning technology like on old photos and such. So they do traditional sculpts for these older legends or older looks from current superstars. So it's very, very surprised to hear that answer from him. Sometimes they do a mix, he says, but most of the time for Legends, it's just sculpting. Yeah, well, sometimes I wondered that 
especially with the old legends or some of the legends that aren't alive anymore, sometimes I wonder, and that's a good answer that he gave for the sculpting, because that definitely, you know, answered all the questions I had about that. And to be honest, for the legend series and the legend figures, the sculpting's pretty dead on for the most part. I mean, if you look at the true scan and you look at all the updated technology they have nowadays to still have the sculpting involved with the legends and some of the older wrestlers, it's pretty impressive stuff. It is. And he specifically stated he didn't give out a company. He didn't give out individuals names, but he specifically stated they are using the top sculptors in the world to do this stuff. And it's showing because like you said, you think that they're using this scanning technology in some other way. Now, we know, obviously, like you said, if the wrestler is deceased or if he's old now, you can't do a scan, a 3D scan of him and then translate that into something from the past. So I thought what they were doing was possibly they were scanning photos or they were scanning video images and stuff like that. That's not true. They're actually doing full hand sculpts, which is pretty incredible. You know, I'm sure that they utilize the computer in some way, form or fashion, but it's pretty incredible that they are sculpting. So that was one of the questions. The next question was pretty funny, and I didn't really think he was going to answer this from us. But he did mention when he was unboxing the Mark Henry that we were getting that May Young figure that's god awful. But no, it, it actually looks it actually looks really great. We're just like, oh God, May Young. I know. I jokingly threw out, well, is she going to come with swappable hands? Wink wink. And he laughed his ass off and said, Yes, if you wanted to create memorable moments, May Young will have swappable hands. So Well, that that answers our questions again. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, well, I wasn't excited about the decade of domination wave the mark henry figure i was interested in out of the five the others didn't really catch my attention too much to be honest but when i watched his video on instagram and he was unboxing all those figures i definitely was way more interested seeing him describe the figure seeing the figure loose even though we're mocs hashtag moc for life and I got to be honest, man, I like all five figures, even seeing the images online after seeing the Randy Orton up close, seeing the John Cena, the Undertaker, even though I think, you know, it's the same figure as we got a couple years ago. It looks exactly the same. The Natty, I'm still kind of on the fence about, but seeing all the figures and him unboxing them and looking at the line as a whole, it's pretty damn cool, actually. I am. You're still on the fence. No, I'm not even on the fence, Joe. Look, again, you know my position with ruthless aggression era talent wrestlers. I have no affinity towards it whatsoever. I don't like that period of wrestling. The only figure from that era and from this line that I would remotely even think about getting would be that Randy Orton, because I agree with you. It does look great. I agree with you that all the figures in this line look great. But again, what's pulling me in? Nothing. I didn't watch wrestling during that time period. So I don't really have any connection to it. So even seeing John Cena, it's like, oh, God, I get John Cena figures now for increased return value 
when all these fans 20 years down the road are going through the nostalgia train ride like we are now, I'm just going to sell them all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm looking at the situation. I'm like, I'll get some John Cena figures here and there, mainly exclusives just for that reason. But again, I, I just don't like John Cena as a wrestler. So I don't really want him in my collection in any way, shape or form. I do have to agree with you. The Undertaker is basically a re-release. The only thing that is different is his gloves. It's accurate that he does have the black gloves in the previous WrestleMania Heritage Elite Series release of this figure. He had the gray gloves, so it was inaccurate. Yeah. But everything, the tooling, the sculpting is all the same. Steve did say The Undertaker did have True FX paint on it. So this was also unique. They're using this spray paint. It's called like spray imprinting on the faces as well. That's part of the TrueFX technology. So TrueFX doesn't only include scanning. It also includes face printing. Instead of having someone sit there and paint the eyes, then have another person paint the eyebrows, it goes through this process where on the conveyor belt, it comes to a point where the head actually gets sprayed everything at once. Mm. It's this new technology. So it's like this photo reel spray printed technology. Undertaker has this incorporated as well, which it didn't have in his last elite release of this era figure. Moving on. Yes, I like the Mark Henry. I like the Undertaker. I pre-ordered those I agree with you. The figures do look great from the set, but personally, I'm not going to get them because I just don't care. Once again, I like seeing them loose out of the package. I definitely think they look pretty good. Yeah, maybe I was just excited watching the video the other night, but uh, the main figure I want from the set is the Mark Henry. That's probably the only figure I'll be purchasing from this set is the Mark Henry. One other thing Steve did say about that was we're only one member away from completing the Nation of Domination. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a little bit of a hint where we need Kama. And he did mention Kama. Yeah, I think we're going to see a comma very soon. He signed. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, he did throw that in there. So you can pretty much expect a comma coming down the line to complete the nation. With the other questions that were asked, et cetera, et cetera. It was the same old, same old. Are you going to make this? Are you going to make this? Are you going to make this? One thing I want to at least tell our listeners, look, don't ask Steve what he's going to make anymore. I know it's the same shit. Oh, it's ad nauseum. Guys, gals, if they are signed, you have probably one of the most passionate design teams for a brand in toy production, in toy manufacturing today. This Mattel WWE design team is one of the most passionate design teams for a brand in the industry. If there is a figure that is on their list and it's available to make and we don't have it, they will make it. <laughs> I mean, like I know someone asked, can you make another LOD? And he's like, nope, unfortunately, they're not signed and go Google search why. So again, pretty simple. If we're not getting figures of people we don't have figures of, it's probably because they can't 
produce them. And it's that simple. No, it's not probably. It's because they can't, because they're not signed to a Legends deal. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that fact. I'm kind of in that boat. I was going to say, are we getting a one-man gang? But uh, <laughs> you, 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 no, Joe, we're not getting a one-man gang. I'm like, can we get a one-man gang? I'm like, all right. We're not getting a Dino Bravo. We're not getting a one-man gang. We're... I'm like, right. can we get a Walter? Yes, we are going to get a Walter. We and need he, Walter. He said with Walter and a lot of these other NXT superstars, they are coming. So just be patient. Karrion Cross is another example. Oh, yeah. He's going to push him. He said, you're going to see a Karrion Cross probably by the spring. That is not what Steve said by the spring. But given the time frame and given the fact that he's getting such a big push now, in my eyes, I would say by the spring, you're going to have Karrion Cross in some way, shape or form. That's our take on... The Instagram live feed from Action Figure Attack, Mattel WWE brand. Absolutely great time. Steve, If again, if you're listening, thank you so much for being transparent with everybody. Thank you so much for giving us information. And thank you so much for taking all the time out of your day, out of your Saturday that you're not working to go online and to just say hello unbox some things for us, answer our questions. We really appreciate it. We know how big of a fan you are for professional wrestling and how much you absolutely love this product. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. I definitely was watching the live feed. It was very entertaining. Very entertaining, Joe. So moving on, talking about Mattel again. Well, guess who finally arrived in the mail for everybody? Mr. T. I got mine through Entertainment Earth. Mine came eh, probably about a week ago or so. I haven't even opened this damn thing up. (laughs) Yeah, same here. The box is so nice. And the presentation, you know, the design on the front, I just left it as is, man. You you know me and you, man, MOCs. Hashtag MOC for life, Joe. I, I haven't even broke the seal yet on this thing. A part of me wants to crack this open, but I, I don't know, man. So I wanted to just address this, and I think this is the perfect time to do it. We know there's no way that you could possibly have every single figure you ever want or need for your collection. Like, I, it's just impossible. Unless you're maybe a millionaire. I think that would probably be the only time you'd be able to have every single figure that you want. So you know what I do, Joe? I go online. I follow some great reviewers. I love the Foosh, you know, over on YouTube for some modern stuff. I love Pixel Dan on YouTube for modern stuff. I love a couple of these guys because they're straightforward. They give you all the articulation points. They're high quality videos. And I don't have to open my figures, especially in this instance, because I can go, I can watch their videos on YouTube. They're right there. They're right in front of me. So I don't have to break the seal on this, Mr. T, because I've seen it in 50,000 photos on 50,000 videos articulated at every single point possible. And that's what I love about this community of collectors, reviewers, and in this toy community in general, I can't get everything. So not talking about this Mr. T, but the stuff that I can't get, just go, I watch it on TV and that really satisfies my need for it. Yeah, same here, Will. I didn't obviously want to open the figure up. So I went on a couple Instagram pages. I seen it loose. I seen the inside of the box. I seen the design, what Mr. T looks like inside, and I was satisfied with that. Watched a couple of reviews on it, and you're right. If you're a min on card collector, you want to see the inside of a package like that, you don't want to open it, and you want to actually see the figure loose, go to some Instagram pages, jump on YouTube, 
and boom, that's, you know, that's all you need. That's all you need at this day and age. And this was a difficult one to get as well. So I couldn't get to last year. I was able to get two machos. I opened one up, checked it out. But for even that figure that there's something there nostalgia wise that I'm more connecting with than this Mr. T figure. I love Mr. T, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the era, but this era is a little before I started watching wrestling, hardcore. Way before, actually, because I started basically in 88. I was about five years old when I started watching wrestling. The Mr. T stuff happened well before that. I wasn't really cognizant. Now, have I watched it since? Yes. But I still don't have the tie to it. So I'm perfectly content keeping my Mr. T inside it, the box sealed. Yeah, same here. Well, I don't really have a connection to the figure either. A part of me wanted to open it up just to see it, like I stated before, just to look at the box, you know, enjoy the packaging, enjoy the figure up close. But same thing, you know, I don't really want to do that. I was content going on YouTube and looking at the figure, looking at the reviews on it. I'm on the same side as you. I don't really have a connection to Mr. T. I like the exclusive. I think the figure looks great. And I was fortunate enough to get one on Entertainment Earth. You know, the site froze. The cart wouldn't update. It wouldn't take my password. I had to use a different email. I had to jump through all these hoops. So the fact that it went through and I was able to score one, I'm pretty happy. Same here. It's funny, real quick, just before we move on. I actually remember Mr. T more from the A-Team than wrestling. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was watching the A-Team and I remember that show in him on it more than I do him in wrestling. And that's probably just because of reruns. I was watching the A-Team probably well into the the late 80s. But anyway, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Last thing we wanted to talk about, guys and gals, is our fig hunt. As we mentioned during the start of the show, AEW Madness has been reigning supreme in the fig hunt category for the past two weeks. These things you cannot find, bro. And even if they pop up on BrickSeek, they're literally sold out within an hour. The demand is ridiculous. I found two cases. One case was completely destroyed. If you're not aware of listeners, again, we're hashtag MOC for life. But with a new line like this, I always like to have two sets. So I want to have a set that's completely perfect, mint on mint card or mint on as close to mint card as possible. And then what I like to do is also have a loose set. I want to play around with the figures. I want to check out how they are, put them right into the plastic baggies and into storage. In this situation, BrickSeek popped for me. I literally ran to the store. Five minutes later, a guy was right behind me and took the entire case because I didn't take any. They were all smashed up and I have a beat up set. So then I go to the next store. And I finally, after an hour waiting around, the assistant manager gets the pallet out for me. I find the case. I find four pretty much perfect cards, which was great. Snatch those up and the rest were gone by another person that was waiting there. Four people arrived while I was waiting for this pallet to get rolled out to get the action figures. Four people. (laughs) Since that period of time, I know you had some experience with this as well. I literally saw them, Joe, I literally saw these come up earlier in the week at like 7 p.m. one day. Mind you, Walmart closes now at like 8.30 because of the whole pandemic. They were gone within 30 minutes of them popping up. And this is at one 
store I saw pop up again in the New Jersey area. They were instantly gone. I know you have a little bit of a story too, which is a lot better than mine, but this is crazy, man, this stuff. I know, it really is. Yeah, it was last Thursday. They started popping up in New Jersey on BrickSeek. Majority of the stores in my area, and I'd say there's about 10 in the surrounding area on the BrickSeek app. You know, some are a little farther than others. And slowly throughout the day, I was at work. You can see in stock, out of stock, in stock, out of stock. I stopped at a Walmart after work. The lady that works in the toy department is very nice. I don't show her BrickSeek, but she checks for me and it says six in stock. She won't go look for it. She's very nice, but she doesn't, you know, even though that store had them, I had to leave. So later on that night, that Walmart in particular is open till 10. Later on that night, probably around 8, 8.30 out of stock. So someone got that case. While I was there, there was this guy that came. He honestly scared me a little bit when he came up behind me. And he's looking for the AEW figures. He's missing all his teeth almost. And I honestly got a little sick. But then another guy came looking for AEW figures. He's probably in his 50s. So I was like, let me get the hell out of here. And I left. Later on that night, I talked to you. Rockaway doesn't do online orders in the area. You said, you know, there's still six in stock. You're like, Joe, listen, you got to get there early, man. You got to <laughs> get there when the doors open. Get there a half hour early. Get there, stand in line, even if there's nobody there, for the doors to open. And I'm like, I don't feel like doing this shit. I was like, you know what? Let me give it a shot. I woke up early. I had to go to work anyway. I get there. 6.30. Maybe 6.20. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And there's a car there. The door open. Looks like a guy sitting inside. I'm like, oh, maybe he works here. I pull up. I close my door. He closes his door. I'm like, okay, he's getting out of his car now. He goes up to the doors. Stands there. I'm like... I think Will was right because the night before you're like, Joe, listen, there's going to be people there. The people online are going to want those figures. You have to pretend that everybody that is lined up or they're that early are going to that toy aisle. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Joe, Joe, I mean, I said it. I see a Asian woman in PPE ready to go to the hospital on her nursing job or whatever she's doing. And I still, I still think she's there for AEW. Yeah, for her son or something. I, I, yeah, you have to, you have to have that mentality. Everybody in line in front of you or in line and back you is there for AEW figures, regardless of when you enter that door. It's a sprint, baby, and it doesn't matter what part of the line you were in. If I get to that fucking toy aisle first, I get the toys that they're mine. <laughs> yes. So he's standing there. I'm pretending to be on the phone because I don't want to talk to him and. I'm like, this guy is here for wrestling figures. So he's like standing off to the side. So I'm first online still at this point. So I'm in front of the doors, ready to go. The woman comes out. She's like, you can't be in here. Because I opened the door and I was like standing inside waiting for those sliding doors to open like a sicko. She's like, you can't be in here. You got to wait outside. So he goes out. I go out. He's standing like in the back. I'm still in front of the doors now. So I'm like, all right, man, you're first. Will, people start lining up. And it's not normal looking people. That's another red flag. So, Will, they start lining up behind me. People start showing up out of the blue. Old couples. Creepy looking people, man. You, the type of people that are going to be up at 630 in the morning. <laughs> standing there. And I'm like, I felt at this point, I'm like, man, what am I doing with my life? 
<laughs> like to be honest, I was like, "What am I doing? Why am I here?" <laughs> and well, the door is open. I'm not running, but I'm moving pretty damn quick. <laughs> we get to the aisle. Will I kid you not? All those people behind me were looking for AEW figures like psychopaths. The guy, the scalper, the kid, the old couple that drove from Long Island, the other person from Connecticut, fiends for these figures. So we all kind of stick together. We asked the guy that works there, hey, did you get any AEW figures in? It says they're in stock. He's like, oh, like Cody Rhodes? I'm like, yeah, like Cody Rhodes. He goes and looks. He comes. He finally comes back. He's like, oh, no, man. You know, sometimes it says they're in stock. They're not. Shipment comes late. We're all like, all right, whatever. While he's saying this, a young girl comes out with a pallet, you know, of all the wrestling figures, not wrestling figures, of all the different, you know, toys that are going out, all different boxes. And we're about to leave. And the scalper's like, oh, look, here they are. So at the same time, everybody was fair. They're like, who was here first? And the scalper's like, this guy was. And he's pointed to me. And I was like, no, nah, this guy was, you know, the, the other kid. And he got them. You know, we opened the box. The girl was like ripping them out of the box, almost destroying the boxes, which was kind of funny. And to be honest, man, even though I'm making fun of the people, they were actually really nice. The kid that got the figures, he gave... Well, actually, no, he took the whole box. He was going to give an extra figure to the scalper guy because the scalper guy pointed the box out. At this point, I was like, eh, you know, it is what it is. The kid took the box. The Long Island people I felt bad for, the person from Connecticut, and we all kind of went our separate ways, Will. But to be honest, I, you know, I'm never going to do that again, man. I, I, you know, getting to that early, I just know why certain stores you see the same figures all the time because people are there at 630. They take the whole box. They take the whole stock. You'll never know they were there. You get there at eight o'clock in the morning, you're done. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's the way of the collector these days. What do you think I do? I see the brick seek jump and I'm there. Joe, if I didn't jump to two Walmarts, one right after another, literally three o'clock, Bam, they popped. I was in my car. When I saw them pop on Brixie, I was in my car as fast. And I'm very, very close. I was the first one there. And then literally 10 minutes after I had basically the figures in hand and I passed on them, guy showed up right behind me and took them all. You know, and I asked questions. Do you watch AEW? Are you wrestling figure collector? Yes, I watch AEW. No, I only collect AEW figures. My brother wants these figures too. The demographic I saw that were really after these figures were the 18 to 25-year-olds. There was a kid from Staten Island at the second store that I gave three figures to because he was a younger kid. He was really liked AEW, really nice guy. So I felt bad. You know, he's like, this is my last store. Been searching for him all day. And I said, no, they're here. Just wait. If you if you can wait it out with me, everything that I don't want because there's in box imperfections, it's all yours, brother. It was good. Look, I met some people. They gave a follow, the podcast a follow. So in my experience, it was a little different in that respect. But yeah, for the Rockaway situation, when I saw that, like I said, I was like, dude, you should just go just go that night. Here's the funniest thing about it. So I want to end this. We want to get into this week's edition of the Gorilla Position because we have a special guest on it this week. But I want to end this by saying, and I hope this is for everybody that's listening that's affiliated with a toy manufacturer or toy producer. I am a 37-year-old man with a life and a job and other stressful 
things in my life at this point, right? I have a mortgage to pay for. I have, I'm lucky I don't have children. I'm lucky I don't have a wife or a girlfriend at this point in time to help take care of, you know? But I still have a home that I have to take care of. I still have a personal life outside of this podcast and outside of toy collecting that I want and need to take care of. And you're right, Joe. It's just becoming very stressful. And at times I'm looking at it and I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. Far as getting up early in the morning at the drop of a hat, running out to these stores. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) This is not how the market should be operating. And not only that, I'm 37 fucking years old and doing this just to get the items I need. It's ridiculous. I know it really is. And I question myself, you know, at the same time, you know, like you will, I have a lot of responsibilities. I have two daughters and I am late to my job saying that my, I have to put air in my tire. What the hell am I talking about? Because I'm at Walmart, and you, because you were going to, you were at Walmart trying to hunt for fucking AEW figures, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? This isn't fun, Joe. Toy manufacturers, yeah, I don't know who you are. Jazzwares, Mattel, and, and I find this less with Mattel, but it does happen with Mattel. I think Mattel has been better with their production numbers. I've been finding a lot more of their stuff lately, which is good, but. NECA, Jazzwares, and I know Jeremy's like, okay, we undershipped, we undershipped. Well, you vastly undershipped. You vastly undershipped this first wave, and it wasn't a good introduction. So moving forward, I'm going to have difficulty collecting your lines or the need or want or the enthusiasm for collecting them if I'm always stressed out by this. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And actions, everybody speak louder than words. That's it. That's all I got to say. If it is not readily available and it's stressing you out, it's getting to the point, at least with me, where I don't want to do these fig hunts anymore. It's ridiculous. I'm a 37-year-old grown man. I'm not going to do it anymore. If I can't find the figures online for the retail price, I'm not going to buy them. It's that simple. Yeah, or fuck, I'll pay... The extra on ringside. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, and that's fine. I had pre-ordered Jazzwares AEW Unrivaled Collection Series 2. That's fine. I have that all pre-ordered and ready to go. But again, in certain scenarios, like with even these chase figures, I haven't even seen these chase figures being reported. I've seen one reported. Their figures are being sold out instantly. I don't see any other chase for figures being reported. I need a one of 500 guys, Cody Rose. I need that figure. I'm a big Star Trek fan, a huge Star Trek fan. Okay. Especially next generation. I need it. Someone get it to me. That's going to be a pain in the ass to find, or you're going to be paying high dollar for that. Well, I'd rather pay the premium. I'm not going out there and doing this shit, Joe. I know. I, I, I feel the same way. I just watched a YouTube video from this woman that does incredible, I believe her name is Vicky's Cantina or something, right? She does great Star Wars reviews, Star Wars Black Series reviews. She's done with NECA too. She's tired of it. She's not collecting it anymore because it's a bunch of garbage. Half the stuff you can get, half the stuff you can't get. I understand everybody's trying to make improvements, but come on guys, let's be realistic. We're grown adults here. 
We're grown collectors here, grown adults. If you're not going to make the product accessible for us anymore, I'm not going to buy, and neither should any of our listeners buy any of the product if it's not accessible. Yeah, I agree. That's a little bit of a gorilla position for not even being a gorilla position this week. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, uh, there's a lot to discuss here, but anyway. Good story, Joe. In the end, you did get one AEW figure, though. I- yeah, a couple of days later, different Walmart happened to be there. It wasn't on the pegs. It's kind of like in the back thrown down uh, where the rings are. And I was like, all right, this box is in decent shape. I'm like, this shit's extremely hard to find. Why not? I was honestly going to open it like you did, to be honest, but uh, it's still on card right now. The box is in good condition. You know, I need one min on card. Hashtag MOC for life because you made me open that goddamn Kenny Omega <laughs> for busted open segment last week. So you owe me a Kenny Omega min on min Oh, card. shit, I have one. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You owe me a stinging a Luger. You owe me a, a Kenny Omega. <laughs> I owe you. You owe me. I a, owe you that uh, bootleg warrior. Oh my god! The list Joe. is getting a little crazy now. The list is growing and growing. You're just stabbing me in the heart every week. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for I don't know this mumble jumbo beginning news slash whatever the hell we were gonna call. We're actually gonna name this. Uh, it's gonna become something one day, but for now. We just like to ramble on about figure news and figure findings and figure whatever it is. Wrestling figure everything. So let's get into the gorilla position. I can feel electricity in the air. And welcome to this week's edition of the gorilla position. Joe, we have a big surprise for our listeners this week. We're going out to the West Coast, to the left coast, as I like to say. Yep. Going out to the left coast this week. And yeah, we got TJ Shevlin of Super 7. And he's here to discuss the position on the New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Ultimates figures by Super 7. Not only that, but the other Ultimates wrestling figure line. Joe, we're pretty excited about this, right? Yeah, man, I'm pretty amped up. TJ, it's great to have you on the show here. I can't wait to get into uh, hearing all all about the line. Thanks, man. I'm really excited to be here. This has been a year coming now, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it really has. (laughs) Time flies when you're you're in a quarantine, I guess. Boy, does it ever, guys. And I know. What really spurred all of this was... We were at New York Comic Con about a year ago. TJ was actually working the Super 7 booth, being a great brand ambassador. I actually approached him at the booth and he wanted to like take turtles out for me. And I was just like, eh, nah, don't, it's cool. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, Will, Will is what you call the lurker. I am the lurker. Will the thrill is not thrilling in person. He's a lurker. <laughs> I got to keep my identity in check. Nobody knows who I am. So anyway, I met TJ last year at Comic-Con. Joe met him as well, talking about doing this. So very, very exciting. Really quickly, just a little bit about TJ. He is the store manager at the Super 7 San Diego location, and their Instagram handle is at Super 7 San Diego. As we mentioned, he's also the sales and brand ambassador for Super 7 at a bunch of Comic-Cons. Probably most of the time, see him at cons, at the booth. Definitely hit him up, ask him questions. And his personal Instagram is at STRS, my destination. You can check him out there as well. And all the Super 7 Instagram sites at Super 7, there's super7.com. You can find out all about the company, the products there. The company was founded in 2001. 
by Brian Flynn, the owner and one of the designers. And what I love about the company is the motto, no one made what we wanted, so we made it ourselves. And I think that really holds true to this NJPW line and the wrestling figure line, the Ultimates line you guys are doing. So Joe, really quickly though, let's get back to Comic-Con. How did this all come to be? I know you were the genesis of having TJ come on the show, and that was way back a year ago when we didn't even have a podcast, basically. Yeah, well, uh, so yeah, I was at the Comic-Con, uh, New York Comic-Con last year, and I was at the Super 7 booth. I always have to check that booth out. I love all the Super 7 product. And I went to the booth, and there was a couple, couple people working the booth. TJ was on the other side at the time. So the first person I talked to, I was just giving them like basic questions because I was really curious, you know, being an NGPW fan, finally we're getting action figures. So I was just asking, hey, do you know this? Do you know that? And they kind of just answered them here or there. And then I kind of walked around again and I started looking again. And then I asked one of the other people working there, hey, do you know about this or that? And then they said, is that what people are looking for? Or NJPW line, is that what a lot of fans want? And I started talking about the ring. I'm like, yeah, I'd like, I'm like, I think you should really make, you know, a wrestling ring. And they're like, okay. And then they eventually led me to TJ. And that's the person <laughs> I was looking for. Yeah, we got to talking and we talked about the NJPW line and a couple other things. Mentioned the ring, of course. And yeah, that's how we first met. That was a lot of fun. So that was the first convention I got to do with Super 7. Because whenever I'm here for San Diego Comic-Con, we have our booth at the show. But I'm always here at the store because we do off-site events here at the store. All of them are different themes. We'll do Masters of the Universe or Universal Monsters or Peanuts or what have you. I don't always get to get the booth experience at... SDCC, but New York Comic Con was really special getting to do that this year because I'm born and raised in New York City. I get to go home, see friends and family, get to hang out with everybody, and then I get to be at the booth. And it's so much fun because all of us, like I know you had said that I'm a brand ambassador, but what's great about being at the booth is all of us are brand ambassadors. And the thing that's really neat about that is everybody at Super 7 has a thing or two or three, what have you, that they're passionate about. And New Japan was really just in its infancy stages with us and I was just getting to start talking more about that and getting to answer questions because it really is one of those things where the licensing team that we have and the design team that we have, everybody is killer at what they do, but there are those kind of like nitty gritty wrestling figure collector questions where maybe they might not have the answer for those things, but because I'm a wrestling figure collector, it was easy for me to kind of go on about and talk about with fellow wrestling figure collectors and get them excited about what Super 7 is doing because maybe some of them have never bought a Super 7 figure, or maybe some of them just think that Super 7 is only reaction, is only reaction figures. So it's kind of nice to get to wax a little wrestling figure romance with you guys at the booth. It really made that a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was great. You know, there's a lot of things to take away from New York Comic Con, but for me personally, that was my favorite part, man. Uh, meeting you and talking about the NGPW line. I, that definitely stood out. You know, even when I went home, my family knows I'm my whole life collecting wrestling figures. So I was like, oh, you had to hear what I did today, who I talked to. So <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was cool. I'm going to tell everybody the answer that I told you about a New Japan ring was the answer that I told everybody. And I mean, like, even down to Kurt Hawkins and Mega Ran, both coming by the booth asking, are you guys going to do a New Japan ring? My answer 
then and my answer still is support the line show everybody that you guys want it and you never know what's going to happen yeah and that goes back to i mean the motto right no one made what we wanted so we made it ourselves if enough people want this right you guys are going to make it for them i mean it's that simple no one else is going to make it you all do it if everybody supports that line really quickly though i know joe's extremely passionate for njpw I'll tell you right off the bat, my knowledge of NJPW is not that good. I'm very basic with it. I know a couple of the big names, et cetera, et cetera. But really, how did you get involved in the NJPW line? And what is your role with that line right now, TJ? Okay, so my role with the New Japan line, and we'll go further into this, is the wrestling figures as a whole that we're doing here. My role with that is kind of... For lack of a better way to put it, it's nerd quality control. So (laughs) it's awesome. (laughs) So, my job on New Japan is basically to translate wrestling speak to the design team and to the licensing team. Our licensing team is really good about understanding what it is that we're doing with this. Nowhere am I saying that these guys, oh no, they don't get it. Bart in licensing, he knows wrestling. He knows it pretty well, but I kind of get to break down the real nitty gritty side of all of this. So a perfect example of that, for example, let's go with Will Ospreay. When the Will Ospreay figure was coming together, my job with that was to help pick out the accessories. And so it's, Well, what accessories do you think Will Ospreay should come with? Obviously, interchangeable hands, interchangeable heads with different expressions, all of that. And then, of course, my next thing is, and he should come with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. He should come with the Super J Cup, and he should come with the Katana because it was the Dragon Slayer thing at that point. So (laughs) Exactly. like That's where my nerdiness gets in. But then, like you said, how wrestling figure collectors, there's always this need to correct. There were a lot of people where it's like, why does he have a sword? This is dumb. Why is he coming with a sword? But then you get the hardcore New Japan guys who are like, oh, my God, Will Ospreay came with a sword. I can't believe it. That's my job. Yeah, very detailed ring attire. And he comes, of course, with the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Yeah, like you mentioned, the sword, the trophy. I mean, the hooded sweatshirt. I mean, everything you could possibly want for a Will Osprey figure, I think you guys nailed. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I think getting Will in that first wave was really, really cool. That was really exciting. I think the first wave, we really kind of kicked the door down. Obviously, it's almost all chaos there with Okada and Osprey and Ishii. Just having the three of them in there was super cool. And then, of course, Tanahashi. It was really a strong first showing for us. Tanahashi seals the deal. Totally. And I think he sealed the deal for everybody. Okada was a big deal. But once they saw Tanahashi, it was like, oh, okay. Again, I watch NJPW sparingly. I saw the MSG event last last year. WrestleMania weekend, watched it on pay-per-view. I didn't go live, but some of these names were featured there, especially Will Ospreay. But when I saw that Tanahashi with the guitar, just an incredible figure, TJ. I mean, so incredible. Going back to your point with the Will Ospreay, I think you nailed it getting him in there right now because I felt at the time he may jump somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so for you guys to kind of nail it, get the figure down, get it out there, It was a great strategy by y'all. It is one of those things where sometimes with wrestling figures, doing wrestling figures are a lot like doing traditional sports toys. 
where timing is everything because you never know what promotion a guy or a gal is going to jump to. You don't know when an athlete's going to get traded to another team. It's always very tricky and timing is everything. Will Ospreay was a replacement for a wrestler who ended up leaving New Japan for WWE. Oh, wow. Who originally wasn't in there. Can you tell us who that is or no? <laughs> I don't know if I can, but ask me another time. Maybe we'll go back in time. Yeah, I, I kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I, there I, you go. I get your drift now. I, I, uh, <laughs> I think I know dun, what you put down there. Yeah. Well, Osprey, definitely the person to put in there, I think. Totally. Some people consider him, you know, one of the best in the world. 100%. Just the work rate that he has and it is out of control. The guy is fabulous in the ring, obviously. But there's also, there's a really rad appeal to him because he's one of those guys where it's like, okay, yeah, he's a heel. But like, there's that cool heel, but not like the traditional American cool heel. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about him that works really well as a toy. But the same thing can be said about us doing that Okada figure. Okada probably took the most time in design just because of how intricate his trunks are and making sure that the robe was right. And just even the portraits, even the head sculpts, I think they turned out fantastic. They do. They look Super, super stellar. I mean, again, I'm just looking at wrestlingfigures.com, ringsidecollectibles.com. Do you have faux fur on that? I mean, is that actually soft good? I know. Oh, it's just the entrance entrance robe looks looks great. Yeah. One of the toy photographers on Instagram who makes soft good apparel for the figures, CJ Asm, he did those for us. And I mean, they look like they're ripped right out of the New Japan photos and just slapped on a toy. It's it's awesome. <laughs> they do. Uh, actually, TJ, quick question. This is one of those nerdy questions. As far as the boots go, are they just plain black with red laces, or are they his? Are they just plain black boots, or do they have any color to them? On Okada, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not looking at a photo, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. I thought they were black boots, red laces on one boot, gold laces on the other. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Everything was as close to accurate as we could possibly get it. It's wonderful. Dialing back to something that you just mentioned, as far as design of the line, pretty much from the industry, it takes about a year to get these figures out from beginning to design to end distribution, et cetera, et cetera, probably a couple more months. How far do you plan your releases? I know you have this pre-order process for your entire Ultimates line. So give our listeners a little bit of an explanation about your design process and maybe a little bit about selection as well. From selection to the end design, how long does it take to get a figure? Sure. It's about a year to a year and a half with plans for release. For example, when we release the pre-order announcements and say we've got a photo of a prototype, that's at the paint master stage. So once people can see how it looks and all that, then we can finalize pre-order numbers and go from there. So yeah, usually about a year, year and a half is what it is. And then sometimes it can depend a little bit on the licensor as well. Yeah, I always wondered that because I see obviously like with Turtles, you have the metalhead out there in the April and things of that nature. And I didn't know if that was just computer images or actually paint masters 
that you put out there and then you put it on pre-order. Oh yeah. That answers my question. That's awesome. So you're at the paint master stage, you garner your pre-orders and then the pre-orders are set. And then you basically go into manufacturing pretty much a little bit after that, right? Yeah. After paint master and then pro like final prototype, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's why there's always little changes between photos that we release. You know, you'll see some people say something like, oh, I don't really like the way the tights look on this picture. Why does it look better later on? It's like, that's the point of it looking better later on. One is just, you know, the hand-painted paint master. By the time you get the really nice action shots photos, that's when you get the figure that's more along the lines of the finished stage there. So everything really looks crispy. That makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Really quickly, as far as we were talking a little bit about selection before, now you have Wave 1 out. Talking about the names there, we reviewed them. You have the Okada, you have the Osprey, you have the Tanahashi, you have the Ishii. You have Wave 2 that was up for pre-order. I believe that pre-order window closed. However, you could still pre-order them through various other sites like Ringside Collectibles, I believe Entertainment Earth as well. And you have uh, Naito, Takahashi, you have Evil, and Bushi. How far along in the selection process are you? Are you selected for Wave 3 already? Do you hold off or how far advanced do you plan your selection? Wave 3 is in the works right now. Wave 3 is going to be awesome. I'll put it to you like this without giving anything away. Wave 2 I was over the moon for because it's, you know, it was all LIJ. You've got all four figures in a wave are a faction there. You know, I'm a big stable nerd. So it was really fun to see all of that come together. That way, Wave 3, I ended up being even more excited for than this. I hope that stable nerd proves to be true in in Wave 3, maybe? Is that that a hint? (laughs) I can either confirm or deny. There's a club out there, so I don't don't know. I don't know. That would be too sweet, but we'll see. (laughs) But, you know, I I will tell you, you guys can laugh at, at this. Again, this is that nerdy part of what makes what we do all of us not just on the production end of stuff but all of us as collectors which is so much fun i was so excited about and i still am i'm really excited about this all lij wave and then when evil betrayed lij and joined bullet club i was a little heartbroken only because of the toy release. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. I was definitely <laughs> thinking that. But still, I mean, getting him in figure form, I mean, it's insanity. And I'll tell you this, Wave 2 is a grand slam all around. All four figures are amazing, but Evil, for me, I think is the standout of that wave. Just accessories, the look, the presence, all of it. And I mean, that's saying something because that Naito is a dream toy. Bushi with both masks and then Time Bomb just looking perfect. So it's a killer wave. The coloring, the design on the Takahashi, you know, the pants, the boots, everything. Dude, that looks incredible yeah he's bonkers it's so cool we say that a lot in this podcast but you can look at all these images all you want but we like to get these figures in hand you know and just see this stuff up close you know that's how me and will are usually but we need to see this up close and really enjoy it well you know i'll tell you one of the things talking about getting to see them up close and all of that one of the highlights of me getting to work on this line with the design team 
up at San Francisco. I last year I did a wrestling convention out here in San Diego. Did uh, Expo Lucha with Kevin Kleinrock and Bill McKenna from Mattel was there just hanging out because it's a wrestling show. And so we got to talk and, you know, obviously I love what Bill and Steve Ozer and Bill Benneke and all those guys do at Mattel with those elites. But seeing seeing Bill McKenna turn into like the nerdiest of nerds over our Ishii figure made me feel so good <laughs> about what we're doing makes me feel like not just we're doing it right, but that people see we're doing it right. And I mean, that in itself is such a reward, especially people whose work you respect seeing the work that we're putting out. It is. I think we feel that way with this podcast. When we get a mention and whatnot, or we get a nod from other people in the respective community, whether it be a review just from a listener or another great podcast, I think it goes a very long way. So we feel the same even when doing this. And your work is incredible. I mean, I personally love it because, again, these figures are a little bigger. I love the Ultimates line. I, I, again, they're going to scale perfectly. I'm not saying they're not with your your Mattels and whatnot, but I like the fact that they, they just have a little bit of a little more oomph to them. There's a little hack to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And even when getting that Toxie in hand was my first experience with a Super 7 Ultimates figure. Then I got the Baxter. I just love them. I just love We had an episode about this too about scaling and how everyone's in line at six inches right now you know and yeah that's the money maker but we grew up in eras that had so many different scales and it varied oh, yeah. from producer to manufacturer etc i just love that they have a little more heft to them makes me excited <laughs> they're gonna look great for figure photographers as well toy photography has really become such a big component in toy collecting circles and they're going to scale great with your WWEs or your AEWs or your Legends of Lucha Libre. What, whatever toy line you collect or all the toy lines you collect, they're going to look so cool and scale together with them. Yeah, definitely. So what we like to do at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast, especially Joe, we love doing fantasy booking here. Ooh, okay. So before you even came on, this was like five months ago, I think. We put together <laughs> this list, which I sent you, TJ, I believe, yep. of this fantasy book. And what I love is Legends. This is what we collect. I mean, we are primarily collectors of Legends wrestling figures. And Joe is a big fan of Legends wrestling figures, especially New Japan. So, Joe, what would you like to see from this Super 7 Ultimates and JPW line? I mean, right off the bat, number one, I probably got to go with Tiger Mask. Oh, boy. Yeah. I think a lot of people are waiting, especially Super 7 Ultimate. I mean, a Tiger Mask Ultimate. I'm sure you've seen, TJ, the, the Storm Collectibles juicing down their lager. I mean, that thing out of sold out everywhere. It's out of control. I mean, there's so many different versions coming out of it too. And that's, yep. I feel like Tiger Mask is in that same conversation. You know, now with the Super 7 NJPW line, he's got to be top of the list for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know you're going to be tight lived with this, TJ. I know you can't say much. I also, real quick, I'd like to see maybe Great Muda. Okay. 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 Now, I'm going to address Tiger Mask real fast because I'll tell you this Tiger Mask, I would put high on the list of fantasy booking for our New Japan Pro Wrestling Ultimate, specifically because almost everybody within the company who knows Tiger Mask 
they know him as a wrestler, but more of them are into him because of the 70s anime and the Japanese vinyl toys, all the safubi of like Tiger Mask and the cast of characters from the anime that it almost kind of checks off a box for them for a totally different reason than it would for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like Tiger Mask kind of hits everybody there, which is really cool. There's a lot of crossover there. You're Yeah, you're really totally. Right. Um, and then you had mentioned Muda. So if I ruled the world, there are three legends that I would love to see us do in the New Japan line. And again, I'm not saying these are happening. This is what I want to see. And it kind of fits with that. I'm sure you guys will be able to figure out the connecting thread. I want us to do Muda, and I want us to do Masachono, and I want us to do Scott Norton. Oh, oh my God. Scott Norton. Oh, my God. NWO. You know what that brings me to, actually? A question I was going to ask you, TJ, as yeah. involving the Scott, the Scott Norton. If another figure company is, let's say, making a Scott Norton, making a Jay White, making a Juice Robinson, does that interfere with you guys? Because those are three figures. I would love to see you guys do. Of course, Jay White, of course, Robinson. Yeah. Does, does that have anything to do with you guys or that's just I don't a whole know. separate? I think that would have to do more with New Japan's licensing team. I don't know necessarily what the situation is with Legends New Japan wrestlers. That one, I don't have a lot of information on. As for Jay White and for Juice Robinson, I'm almost positive that they fall under whatever our contract is with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'd love to see Jay White. Love the Switchblade era for Bullet Club. I think that's way fun. Juice Robinson, I feel like every wrestling fan, every New Japan fan has a soft spot for. So I think he'd be way fun too. Yeah, for sure. You know, Scott Norton, I like I said, I'd love to see it. He's super, super, super high on my list. And I mean... To just for anybody listening to really to really put like the italics and the bold on this here, Scott Norton defended the IWGP heavyweight title, not on Nitro, not on a pay-per-view, not even on Thunder, on an episode of WCW Saturday Night. (laughs) Awful, because that championship means so much more than... Most of the championships in pro wrestling and WCW looked at that and said, ah, Saturday night. There you go. It's 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 such a shame. It's such a shame looking at that. Scott Norton's one of those guys I want to show a little love to. So high on my dream list. If we want to talk about a shame, I mean, fire and ice. Come on. Totally. Uh... Totally. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know Everybody what? wants to talk about Bagwell and Norton, but fire and ice was tight. That screams Saturday night. <laughs> That's Saturday Night WCW right there. Those are guys that are high on my list, obviously. That's a big one there. One more guy I got to ask. You probably know who's coming. Zack Sabre Jr. I hope so. One of the things that I love about Zack Sabre Jr., you know when wrestling nerds really start to get into the whole, like, the psychology of pro wrestling and all that? Zack Sabre Jr.'s ring psychology is so simple, and sometimes I feel like not everybody picks up on it, and it's... When he's wearing the red jacket, he's a baby face. He's wearing the black jacket, he's a heel. The end. And it's so simple, but so toyetic. Oh, yeah, of course. He's just a pleasure to watch in the ring, you know? Oh, for sure. I 100% would love to see him. You know, I realized, I did forget to tell you guys, you would ask me how I got into this project with the team up in the office. So how I got involved was when I found out we were doing New Japan toys, I sent an email up to the office a picture of me in the middle of a New Japan ring with Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask. I said to him, I was like, I love wrestling. I love wrestling toys. I don't know what I can do to help you guys, but I need to 
be involved with this. This is a dream. Oh, wow. So that's how it all, that's, that's how it all really began. how it happened. You know, that's a new Japan ring. It's like, yep. In 2011, they did a tri-state East Coast kind of tour. They did a show in Jersey, I think, with Bayonne Pro Wrestling. They did a show in Philly, I think, at the Bingo Hall. And then they did a show in Manhattan that was over on the uh, East River, over like by 23rd Street, you know, underneath the overpass and all of that. It was, it's still to this day the only New Japan show I've ever gotten to, which breaks my heart, but obviously it is what it is. But I mean, the card there was stacked. It was 50 bucks, gets you in the ring with Liger and Tiger Mask. Take a photo with a buddy <laughs> of mine, filmed it. There's video of me and Liger hugging each other. It's so goofy. But without that photo, I wouldn't be on this project. Oh, wow. That's, that's, uh, that's crazy. Jeez. It's like fate almost, you know, puts you in there. Yeah. It's right time, right place. You know, I mean, the passion, you know, we talked about this a little bit prior to recording the podcast, you know, what Super 7, the culture is all about. And it's just the passion, right? You have the right people working together and they're very focused, intently focused and passionate about what they're doing, whatever niche that may be, turtles, wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, all together, music. I think it's just, it's a great fit, you and this wrestling figure license, the NJPW license. But I'd like to move on a little bit because, again, this was primarily NJPW-focused, this guerrilla position, but you guys are doing a lot of other wrestling now, which is fun. No one's making what we want, we'll make it ourselves. So maybe you can explain to our listeners a little bit about your Ultimates line and how it's reaching into, and I don't want to use this term, but like independent wrestlers, meaning wrestlers that are not under contract with a promotion that has a wrestling toy license. We are treating it as though it's independent wrestling. So that's certainly a good catch-all term to use. Okay. Before we get to that, I mean, one of the things that's really cool is us getting to do the ultimate Andre the Giant. Andre is one of those guys that transcends. He was a megastar in his own right just for being Andre the Giant. So Yeah, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that too. I just lumped that into just that general category, that Andre the Giant figure. I mean, Joe, what did you have uh, something to say about the Andre the Giant figure real quick? I feel like that Andre figure, not too many people are talking about it for some reason. You know, I think it's a great figure and especially, you know, a wrestler, a bigger than life kind of star like that. I don't know. Yeah, you don't, you're not seeing it as much, I, I, I guess. Uh, I think everybody slept on it. Once it's in hand, I think people are going to realize just how cool it is. The soft goods vest, the, the rubber vest, but then... You know, the young Andre head sculpt, which we've never really seen on any Andre toy before. And then Andre with the big Andre fro and all that. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really stoked to uh, see what the response is going to be when people get him in hand. And I think as Andre often does, you know, he's going to set the tone for our wrestling toys. Of course. And I think that the I don't want to be negative. Sure. I, you know, we like to be constructive here. I think there was a problem with those initial head sculpts where people were like, eh, they were kind of on the fence about them, right? And then yeah. Brian came back on, I believe it was Instagram, YouTube, or, or something like that, Facebook, and showed off the new sculpts. And they were fantastic in my eyes. I mean, I thought I looked at them and it was night and day. I think you're right, TJ. I think it's going to be a situation where people are going to see final images and they're going to jump on this thing then. Not to veer too off topic, but it's kind of what happened happened with our turtles ultimates everyone's like oh well you know there are turtle figures that's great but there's turtles figures all over the place and there's three or four different companies that are doing turtles toys and now that our turtles ultimates figures wave one is hitting the pre-orders and people are seeing the reviews on them now it's i gotta get my hand on them turtles i gotta get i gotta get those turtles 
Andre is going to end up being the same way. I definitely see it as well. I think it's a situation. I come. When are you going to get a beer can with an Andre the Giant figure? Give me a break here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Andre beer stories. They're part and parcel with Andre stories as a whole. It's like it's like telling an Owen story and not hearing about a rib. Like you, you have to have an Andre beer story. So for us to do the Andre figure with the beer can, how do we not? TJ, talk about Andre the Giant beer story. So I'm in high school. We're in Jersey. We're Jersey guys. Okay. I'm in high school in Jersey and Pedro Morales lives in the town over. Oh, yeah. We're going to the club because we're on the wrestling team. We just like lifting weights and all this stuff. So Pedro's in there every day. Right. So Pedro is hanging out, doing his thing. And then we would all go into the sun after. And everybody was very hesitant to go up to Pedro because, you know, you want to leave him alone, let him do his workout, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Sure. We all go into the, well, it was actually the steam room. Sorry. So we all go into the steam and then we're sitting there. Who the hell's in the steam room? Pedro Morales. Right. <laughs> so you can't in the steam room, you cannot not strike up conversation. Right. I mean, you have to say something unless it just gets weird. So we're sitting there and we're talking. We're like, you know, you're Pedro. Oh, yeah, I know him, Pedro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like you never know what to say at first. Yeah. And he goes into the Andre the Giant stories, right? And him being on the road with Andre all the time, right? And again, just the beer and the party and, and the women. And he goes on ad nauseum about this stuff. And that would be our sessions. We would literally go with Pedro after our workouts because we would cut, we would know his time then. Yeah. <laughs> we would just sit in the steam room. And you're right. I mean, those stories just, they were true, you know, all of them. The first. Andre, sorry, I ever remember hearing is the one about the hotel bar not being able to move him after him getting drunk in the hotel bar and they had to put the piano cover on him as a blanket and leave him overnight in the bar. In the bar, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the hotel, yeah. So I I love that. It's crazy. So that's what I'm saying. You get, listeners, you guys are going to get these figures and they're going to come with amazing accessories. The Andre, I mean, again, where are you going to get a Andre the Giant figure with a beer can in his totally. hand or beer can accessories? whether it be the NJPW stuff, even the major wrestling figure podcast figures. I mean, they come with action figures of themselves. I mean, that's that's crazy. It's, you know, the photos that those guys are going to take are going to be crazy because it's going to be like the most meta thing ever. It's the wrestler holding the figure of himself with the figure holding a tiny figure of himself. (laughs) You know, it's crazy and bizarre, but like, it's so cool to see, just to see what the design team is putting out. I got to be on a Zoom call with Aaron Allen, who's one of the lead designers here, and listening to he and Matt go back and forth on what they want out of the figure and what our team wants to do and what Matt wants to see. It's really an amazing insight into how we're doing this just because everybody is kind of working on the same wavelength. Oh, that's a really great idea. Oh, that's really cool. And everyone is just super excited about it. And Aaron's not a, you know, a wrestling guy like any of us are, but you know, he knows what makes a good toy. You know, seeing them kind of jiving back and forth on that is just so exciting. Definitely. We absolutely love it. I, I think that creative process and seeing that is incredible. And it's just a testament, just the attention, again, attention to detail and the thoughtfulness of the figure lines, which you guys and gals create. Yeah. So TJ, I got to ask, can you provide us with any uh, future Super 7, NJPW, or any other wrestling figure news for our listeners? 
Yeah, totally. Um, like I said earlier, Wave 3 for New Japan Pro Wrestling is in the works as we speak. There's not a lot I can talk about regarding that at the moment, but I think you guys are going to be just as excited as I am on Wave 3, and I'm kind of shaking, trying not to explode to scream about how rad it is. But um, <laughs> along with the Major Wrestling Figure podcast figures, which, I mean... You guys saw the digital sculpts. They're out of this world. They're just so, so, so cool. I got to see a little hint of packaging, which you guys are going to go bonkers for, especially like the mint on card collectors. They're going to love it. You know, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't bring up the Good Brothers, obviously. We're going to be doing Ultimates of Anderson and Gallows, which is super, super, super cool. My heart of hearts really wants us to do Sex Ferguson and Chad Too Bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hopefully that's something that uh can be a reality and not just a dream yeah oh, that that would be crazy that would be pretty crazy that rivera steakhouse jacket that sex ferguson has everybody would buy like five of those just for the jacket that's fantastic and yeah we do love the good brothers announcement as well really quickly now it's not going to be major wrestling figure podcast right for the good brothers it'll be like their own unique design the good brothers i believe are going to be their own unique design matt and brian Theirs is going to be related to the major wrestling figure podcast, but Anderson and Gallows is going to be their own thing. Okay, cool. And is there anything else you could share with us? Yeah, I can give you guys a little announcement. We are going to be doing a second Andre the Giant figure. Oh, man. It's going to be our second Andre the Giant Ultimate. I can't say what it is just yet, but if you guys liked the one that we just did, this one you might go even crazier for. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Is it going to be Princess Bride related? Man, I would give my left <laughs> oh my to that. Oh my god. I, I don't know, man. Princess, I just got a soft Princess spot. Bride, Andre, ultimate? I, I, if we could get an Andre the Giant ultimate as Fezzik, I would, yeah. Oh, I'd go nuts, you know? Oh, that would be insane. But yeah, I was thinking that when I was asking. I love the Andre you guys picked, but of course, your mind always wonders, you know, you're like, are they going to do another Andre? So, TJ, thanks for sharing that info, man. That, that's uh, fantastic news. I'm really excited about it. I think everybody else is going to be really stoked. And Andre is one of those wrestlers who... No matter what figures you own, is it your old LJN? Is it your Hasbro? Is it that weird Jack Pacific one that looked more giant than giant? You know, that window box one? Yeah, it's the Legends Legends of uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Andre is an evergreen persona in pro wrestling. So anybody who's a fan of him, no matter who's making a toy, they're going to be like, oh man, it's another Andre. I got to have this because, you know, 30 years later, 40 years later, all of this, he still has that presence. So I'm really excited that we're going to get to do a second Ultimates. Yeah, we, uh, me and Will, when we were talking about figures, you know, we would like to see. Andre's always on our list. So that's that, that's great news on our end. And, and even looking back on Andre, that was one of my first Hasbros. So I always hold a soft spot for that Andre. And I loved how he was a little bigger, of course, than the rest of the Hasbros. So yeah, he was one of my favorites of all time. Same here. I have my original childhood Hasbro of Andre, and it was weird. Like, I did bang him around, but for some reason, again, larger than life, whatever it may be, the paint never wore, and I wasn't that tough with him. And I can only assume Joe. Now, we're talking Andres, and I know Joe and I just had this discussion 
about the Mattel SDCC preview panel and all this stuff. And we were talking what we would want to see. And we want to see another Andre in that classic WrestleMania three attire with the black singlet. What do you think, Joe? What do you think about that? I think that's what we have coming, maybe. Oh, man. <laughs> we could say this a thousand times, you know, seeing the work you guys are doing. I can only imagine. You know what's great about the announcement here, TJ, is that if you're a wrestling figure collector, it leaves you waiting for that reveal. When I hear something like that, I'm like, all right, that's coming down the line. So one day, it's like opening a gift. It's coming. One of the things that's really great about knowing all that stuff is coming, I'm super passionate about this. I love it, and and I'm really grateful to be working with the guys up in the office on the wrestling stuff, getting to help out wherever I can. But, like, I'm just Bobby Heenan. This is the Heenan family, man. All the guys up in the design team, Josh, who runs all of that, Josh Herbelsheimer, then you've got Aaron Island, Kyle Walliga, all those guys, they're the designers. They're the guys who bring all of these things to plastic life. None of this goes without them. I can be as nerdy for days about a singlet having a single strap or a double strap or whatever, but like these are the guys who make it go. And the Ultimates in general, but the Wrestling Ultimates, since we're talking about them in particular, none of it happens without those guys. And then obviously Brian Flynn. It's so cool to even be kind of a small part of that really, really cool machine that these guys are. Yeah, totally. We understand that. And we are very thankful for everybody that is included in this process, the whole team, obviously. We want to give our thanks to them because you guys are doing some incredible work collectively as a team. But before we end this really quick, we want to ask you what you're excited about. (laughs) I'm assuming you're a toy collector, right? I mean, you collect action figures and whatnot. So what other than your product at Super 7, and again, we don't want you to get in trouble by the bosses, the big guys, but what inspires you? What do you love out in the marketplace right now? You were talking about Bill McKenna coming over, looking at the figures. What line or lines or properties right now do that for you? Oh, man. Man, what doesn't? Um, Obviously, WWE Elites has a huge, huge, huge part of my heart. I love that line. It's so much fun. And what makes those toys so cool is, you know, just like with us, all that team working on those, they're so passionate about what they do. And they're all a bunch of wrestling nerds. So it's always fun to see what they put into it. The Elites are always a lot of fun for me. But then outside of wrestling, oh, I got to say it too. I'm super stoked for the Jazzwares AEW figures and the boss fight Legends of Lucha Libre figures. I mean, right now, real fast, between us at Super 7, Mattel, Jazzwares, and Boss Fight, no wrestling toy collector has ever seen an era like this. This is awesome. Rising tides lift all ships. So it's just, it's really cool to see such a, a positive landscape for wrestling toys. Outside of wrestling, I'm a huge, huge comics fan. I love Marvel Legends, but I've had to narrow the focus on them so that my fiance doesn't kill me. The only Marvel Legends that I collect are specifically the 1992 Mutant Genesis era X-Men, which I know is very specific there, but it's Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. But then I also get the new X-Factor team with Havoc. I get X-Force. 
So I've got almost everybody they've made. And if anybody from Hasbro is listening, I'm just waiting for Excalibur, please and thank you. Yeah, X-Men's a big one. I'm loving G.I. Joe Classified. That line is so much fun. Transformers Generations. I mean, I've been on that since Classics started like 12, 13 years ago. And what they're doing with that is awesome. I got my fiance collecting figures and she's been going nuts on the SH Fig Arts Sailor Moon toys. Seeing her getting down with those has been a lot of fun too. They're super cool. Gosh, what else am I collecting? Oh, I didn't grow up watching the show, but the comic books got me into it. The Power Rangers Lightning Collection figures are so cool. Uh, I'm down that road heavy right now. So yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just, oh man. Me and my buddy were talking about this the other day because we grew up watching Power Rangers. And, sure. You know, he collects a little more of, I don't even know where he gets these Power Rangers. They're almost like hot toys, but they're not. And, you know, this guy on Facebook makes them and it takes, you know, so long. He's like, these are the greatest. And we always talk about what's the greatest, but we disagree. But I honestly think the Hasbro collection might be the best Power Ranger figures. They're so much fun. The playability is off the chart. The accessories are great. The alternate heads are super cool. They're just way fun. You know, the blast effects obviously are really cool. I mean, how can you not like them? They're just a blast. They're what a fun action figure should be. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. I'll tell you guys a funny story real fast. So when I was 12, I think is when Power Rangers came out, like when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers made it to TV and everything for me at that point at 12 years old, it was Batman, the animated series and X-Men, the animated series. That was life right there. Okay. And Power Rangers looked really cool. There were monsters and there was Kung Fu and there's superheroes and there's robots. This is what 12-year-old TJ's dreams look like are all of these things. (laughs) I'm sitting down to watch the premiere episode and my older sister and one of my cousins, they walk by and they see me watching it and they make fun of me for watching a baby show. And I was so embarrassed because they were like implying that I was too old for it. And I was so heartbroken that I never watched any after that because I was afraid they were going to make fun of me. So I went all these years not watching Power Rangers. So I didn't buy toys or anything like that. And we all laugh about it now looking back on it. My sister and my cousin and I, like we kind of, you know, it is what it is. But then Boom did those comic books, you know, the stuff that Kyle Higgins and Dan Mora and all those guys are doing. And that's what got me to start buying Power Rangers toys. Those comic books are so good. That's awesome. I have a similar story, but reverse. So I was totally into Power Rangers and I didn't give an F about what anybody <laughs> said about it, you know? And I was just like, I was all in. And, and Joe knows, and, and our listeners know on a previous podcast episode, I literally was running through the hordes of people as a 10 to 12 year old kid grabbing women's hair <laughs> and getting those power edge, stuffing them under my jacket. I was going crazy, man. I was going nuts to get these figures. I have extreme affinity for the Mighty Morphin legacy ones. I stood away. I never watched past Mighty Morphin. You know, the movie was kind of the, the end, end game for me. Well, that, that was his. That's actually his favorite line, my friend. The legacy. Yeah, the Mighty Morphin stuff is just. I love it, and I know Joe. You just got the Rita and, and the Lord Zed. It just. I mean, it, finally get a Rita. I mean, it looks good too. Incredible stuff. Looks great. Yeah. Yeah, incredible stuff. The sculpting on that was amazing and on the robe design and whatnot. And I, I got to get that. And they're just dropping. I mean, you know, you have Zordon 
coming out with that two pack at Walmart. It's just incredible what they're doing. So I'm right in the game as well. But Joe's deep. <laughs> he's got these. He's got space. This, this, that. I have no idea. When you opened the package for Rita and pulled her out of there, did you shout, "After ten thousand years, I'm free"? After ten thousand years? No, no, TJ. Uh, I, I, TJ. Sadly, TJ. Sadly, I don't take anything out of the boxer package, man. TJ, we have a saying on yeah, this podcast. Oh no. Hashtag MOC for yeah, life, baby. Men on card for life. <laughs> and last, you know what? Though? Hence the t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Buy one today. There, oh, wow. Thank you. They, dude, he's plugging our t-shirt. You plug, man. Come on. I went to the Mick Foley school of cheap plugs. <laughs> it's it, it's a great shirt, man. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're a fan like that, you know, you got to appreciate that. I'm a sucker for anything that riffs the NWO logo, so... Well done. <laughs> thank, thank you. Well, for you guys that are with us, you're with us. And for you guys that are against us, well, you're against us. Uh, we have a hint. We got the Mint on Card t-shirt. We got a little bit something to drop during the holidays, too. So for your NWO fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's a lot of really great stuff out there. And we're really in, and not to overuse the term, but we really are in such a golden age for toy collecting and for the action figure and toy collecting community as a whole. It's not something that's looked upon that's, oh, well, this is fringe and all that. Literally everybody these days has some type of toy on their desk at work or, you know, they collect something. And, and it's, a, it's a really amazing time to be a collector, but also to be involved on the opposite end of it, to be working with people as cool as I get to work with at Super 7 and as passionate about all this. Like everybody really loves what they do here. Yeah, we agree. We think this is the golden age of action figure toy collecting. That is definitely a in-depth conversation for another day. But to finish this off, TJ, wow, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for that exciting announcement about another Andre the Giant figure. We're super stoked for that. And before we go... Please, TJ, tell our listeners again where they can find you and where they can find more information about Super 7. So if you're in San Diego, you can find me here at the San Diego Super 7 store. We're on 701 8th Avenue. We're at the corner of 8th Avenue and G Street in downtown San Diego. Hop, skip, and a jump from the San Diego Convention Center. You guys remember that place. Feels like Comic-Con was a lifetime ago. And then you can catch us on Instagram at Super 7 San Diego, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Super 7 San Diego. Then, of course, there's... Super 7 as a company on all of our different social media platforms. And if you want to see any of my random nerdiness, follow me on Instagram. It's stars my destination. No A in the stars. And if you can figure out where that's from, the, the name I chose, I'll hook you up with a cool prize. Well, there you go, listeners. Thank you so much again, TJ, coming on. And that is it for this week's edition of the Gorilla Position. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Oh My God Figure of the Week. Well, Joe, this figure is pretty much going to pay tribute to the late, great Kamala. We had some unfortunate news 
about a week and a half ago, the passing of the legendary Kamala. And we wanted to do something in last week's episode, but kind of held back on it because we wanted to have some time, you know, just to think about how to do this and really how to pay tribute to the late great Kamala. We figured why not induct him and one of his figures into the Oh My God Figure of the Week segment. So many great figures. You know, really quickly, just want to talk about a really, really distinct thing here for for Kamala not being a huge, huge, I would say, superstar with many championships, etc. He has had a wrestling figure of himself in pretty much every major WWWF line, which is pretty incredible. You don't see that very much, and it's because of him being such a toyetic wrestler. Him and his style, and him and his paint, and his accessories, and everything like that. I find that to be really cool and unique for not being, again, one of the most, I would say, celebrated wrestlers, not having, you know, a crazy, crazy career filled with accolades, which we're going to get into a little bit, that he has got a basically an action figure of himself in every major WWF, WWE toy line that was ever produced. With that said, Joe, I wanted to get into a little bit about a you know, give our listeners a little background if they don't know who Kamala is about his career, and we'll go from there. Definitely will. So Kamala was nicknamed the Ugandan Giant, and he wrestled barefoot in war paint and a loincloth. So that's what he would wear to the ring. And honestly, back in the 80s, he stood out from a lot of the other wrestlers, especially, you know, his attire and his character definitely stood out. His size, it catches your attention, it catches your eye. So Kamala would come to the ring wearing his African mask and carrying his spear and his shield. So right off the bat, you have the character, you have the size, and it's not like anything you've seen before, especially back then. So he definitely, personality, his character definitely catches your attention right off the bat, especially coming down to the ring like that. A couple uh, accolades, a couple titles he held, former NWA, Mississippi heavyweight champion, and AWA, Southern heavyweight champion among other belts he held in the South. Those are the two uh, that stand out from the others. Yeah, and for our listeners, Kamala was actually originally from Mississippi, so a lot of his background is from that state, both wrestling and obviously his upbringing. So pretty incredible to hold that NWA Mississippi Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. You know, for him. Yeah, very cool for him. Some of the other wrestlers he wrestled in his career... Andre the Giant, one of these moments uh, captured in time here. He slammed him on the camera in February 1983 before Hogan did at WrestleMania 3. Yeah, that's pretty unique. I was following Tommy Dreamer on Instagram, and I found out about that just recently. Yeah, that, that was... That was something new. Yeah, yeah, something new I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know if that was even... That footage was ever even aired before, which was pretty unique because... I tried to find it on YouTube, very difficult to find. But yeah, he did that in February 1983, and he picks him up and slams him real nicely, man. I'll tell you, it's it's pretty incredible being one of the first people to slam Andre the Giant, you know, before Hogan did it. Kind of sucks a little that it was never told that way. I mean, obviously, Hogan gets all the big, oh, first time to slam the Giant, da 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 when not necessarily true. That's where I seen the clip, too, now. I'm thinking about it. You know, again, how how we tweak history, right? How we rewrite it. 
just for the the glitz and the glamour, you know, Hogan and the big match and him versus Andre the Giant, WrestleMania can he, can three. He slam him? Can, can he pick him up? Can he slam? Can he be the first? Exactly. Can he be? The, well, guess what, guys? Really, it was done, and it was done by Kamala. That is the true history of it all. It's sad to see that overshadowed by the Hogan situation. Kind of sucks. But he did do it, and it's good that we are now paying respect to that. But it's sad that it had to come in passing, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. A couple other uh, fun facts regarding Kamala. He was managed by Freddie Blassie and Friday in his 1984 WWF debut. Yeah, Friday's basically kimchi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So- <laughs> it's, it's like Friday, kimchi. It was the same. Different people under the mask from time to time. Exactly, but same deal. It was a dude with a mask, you know, managing him. Yep. Throughout his career, he definitely he left the WWF multiple times. So he left the WWF, I believe, in '85. He returned to WWF in '86, managed by the Wizard and Kimchi. In the '80s, some notable matches, which I always remember, is his match against Hulk Hogan for the heavyweight belt. Then after that, he wrestled Andre the Giant. He wrestled Macho Man. He left again. He came back. He came back to the WWF in 1992 where he was managed by Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi. And there was a famous feud with Kamala and The Undertaker. I think a lot of wrestling fans from that era will remember. Undertaker and Kamala kind of go hand in hand in 1992. And it was the first ever casket match at the uh, Survivor Series 92 between them. And of course, that promo where Undertaker's making the handmade casket for Kamala to bury him in which was very cool. That definitely stands out from that year. Oh, yeah, that was incredible. Just really quickly. I mean, growing up as a wrestling fan, I remember him less in the 80s because like we said in the beginning of the episode, I started watching wrestling really in 88. And by that time, he was kind of gone again. He had that 86 run into maybe 87 a little bit, but by 88, he was gone again from the WWF doing a lot of independent stuff. And, and then to have him come back in 92 is really what how I remember Kamala and his match or feud against The Undertaker was pretty, pretty cool. I think if my memory serves correct, that all started at SummerSlam 92 at Wembley Stadium where Undertaker faced Kamala and there was a countout. I think Kamala won via countout or he lost via countout or something like that. They had the rematch which was at Survivor Series 92. And that casket match was so memorable. Like you said, watching The Undertaker hand make that casket out of wood and it had the Kamala moon yeah, and stars on right. it. And oh, it was so cool, dude. Yeah, it definitely stood out. I think a lot of people remember that promo that The Undertaker did. And it was just the perfect time. And looking back on Kamala's career, the Hogan match definitely stands out. And, you know, Kamala in the 80s. but. His feud and his time spent in the WWF in 92 and 93 was definitely more remembered to wrestling fans, especially his feud with The Undertaker. That might be his number one wrestling feud of all time. I agree. It was definitely his number one wrestling feud. He had an extremely prominent role. I absolutely love the fact that it was these two bigger, surreal characters or wrestlers in life facing each other no one really thought kamala could be beat no one really thought the undertaker could be beat now obviously the work in the ring wasn't always the best between the two because again very limited in what you could do 
Kamala was kind of heading off into retirement at this point. You know, he's already been around for a good 10 years, 10 plus years as you head into 93. And really after that feud, he kind of goes off into retirement, does a lot of indies work here and there. But that food is always going to be the most nostalgic for me growing up, watching it. First ever casket match. I mean, come on now. It was just an amazing, just an amazing feud. And he will always be remembered for it. So moving to the oh my God figure of the week, we again had so many figures to choose from of his. I mean, you have an LJN figure, which is really awesome of Kamala's. You have the Hasbro figure, which I mean, geez, we could have put in the Moonbelly Hasbro figure that was really never released to mass retailer. But for these Oh My God figure of the week sessions, we like to actually focus on figures that are released to a larger uh, audience. So we think the best Kamala figure of all time has to be the Mattel Legends Series 2 figure, which was released in 2010. Now, they did do a re-release on this Mattel in 2016 as well. I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but they had that Elite Series 44, quote-unquote, B, which was their Lost Legends series. It came with Magnum TA, the Ultimate Warrior, and then obviously Kamala was in this series as well. This is completely accurate. Kamala comes with his white makeup on his face, traditional white makeup. He's bald. He has two white stars on his chest. He's got the moon painted on the belly, the moon belly, so it's completely accurate. And then he has a plethora of accessories. The necklace, the traditional kind of, I don't know, I guess they're kind of bones or rock necklace he used to wear. He's got obviously his cloth skirt around the waist, in that cheetah print attire, the brown shield with the designs going up and down the sides, and of course his signature African mask, which just is completely detailed out, decked out. You can actually even see through the eye holes, I believe, on the mask, right? And the mouthpiece as well. And it's just an incredible figure all around. It's one of the most complete figures we have for a wrestler from the Mattel WWE line. I just think it's an incredible figure, Joe. What do you think about it? And how do you think it compares with all the other Kamala figures that have ever been released? It might be one of my favorite Kamala figures, if not the best Kamala figure ever released. At the same time, I love the Kamala LJN. I love the size of that figure. And I think the detail on the LJN version of Kamala is great for its time. It's a great LJN. It's probably one of my favorites in the line. But well, to be honest, I think this WWE Mattel Legends Kamala is his best figure. They nailed the design. They nailed the uh, deco, you know, they nailed the paint application on his face with the beard and behind it, they have the picture of him and he's doing that exact face on the figure. The figure size is great. The mask is perfect. His shield is great. I mean, everything about the Mattel Legends version of the Kamala is spot on. It's him in figure form. I'd say it's pretty damn spot on, man, 100% almost. 
So in my personal opinion, Will, this is probably the best Kamala figure uh, ever made. Yes. And it's a great addition to your collection, especially if you don't have a Kamala figure. I agree with you about the LJN. What I liked about the LJN most of all is Kamala was always a little leaner in the chest area, and he had more of that bigger belly that he used to always pat with his hands. And that LJN figure, the body proportions are more realistic to how he looked in the 80s. I feel that this Kamala figure from Mattel, body proportion-wise, is a little off. Doesn't have that kind of flappy belly. That flappy belly is really accentuated in the LGN figure. However, with all that said, again, we think that the best Kamala figure all around is the Mattel WWE Legends Series 2 release or Lost Legends Elite release from 2016. And you know what? That re-release is actually pretty affordable. Now it may be a little higher because obviously he has passed on and what tends to happen with these figures is they increase in value because yeah, definitely it definitely has will $110. <laughs> Here we go. Oh 150. And this figure was like 20 bucks. Why do people have to capitalize off of debts? Why do people have to capitalize and increase prices for tragedies and instances? It's false perception. Do not buy a Kamala figure for $110. That Kamala figure was going for 30 or 40 bucks probably a month ago. Okay, it was it was a re-release. Guys, I'm so sorry. I you know, again, I just I don't want to go into a diatribe because it's just a very unfortunate situation when people try to capitalize off of the the, the plight of others. So let's keep it positive. You should have a Kamala figure in your collection. Try to obtain one from actually a seller that doesn't do that. Hopefully find a seller that you can find this figure for about, you know, 40 bucks for, I think is a fair price, 35, 40 bucks. So with that said, these are all the reasons why you need this in your collection and why we think that this is an, oh my God, figure of the week. Look at this, look at this. You talk about a house of fire, you're seeing it right here. And welcome to this week's edition of Wow, you got into your golem voice there, Joe. (laughs) Are we doing a Lord of the Rings podcast or are we still doing uh, wrestling figures? (laughs) Water. Cold glass of water. No, it's Batman Returns now. The Penguin. Batman Returns. This is what, you're the Penguin now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, we span across all genres here. Batman, Lord of the Rings, wrestling. We got it all here at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. I'm thinking of that fucking green molded uh, Lord of the Rings set. Oh my God. I'm thinking of that fucking... (laughs) <laughs> Green molded uh, Lord of the Rings two pack you found at the flea market. <laughs> it was fucking change. It was a completely different color than when it was released. Joe, I thought I struck gold. <laughs> I put that thing on. E- I put that thing on eBay for for thirty dollars, and nobody even wanted a bit on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe five bucks. I don't know. Oh, I know. 
Nobody wanted my bootleg Lord of the Rings. Fucking Green Mole. Samwise Gamgee and fucking who knows. <laughs> green, green Moldy Gandalf or whatever. <laughs> that shit was terrible. I fucking put but, that back after I found it. It's funny. I forgot you bought it. I love that thing. That is going into my Lord of the Rings collection. Not going to be bought on eBay for $30. That's for sure. Oh, no, no, no. It might. Maybe. Maybe. You got to take some really detailed photos. Maybe trick a couple people. Oh, jeez, Scott. <laughs> well, chalk one up for what, what did Scott all used to say? A chalk one up for the bad guys. Yeah. Chalk another one up for the bad guys. I think that's what he said. <laughs> Uh, something he's like chuck one up when you can't remember the morning or your rest of your day oh geez well we won't get into the libations there but this week's edition of busted open is going to feature a figure that is pretty much a pet warmer (laughs) peg warmer these days joe i see these things you got these fig hunt videos across the country they're in every freaking video we are going to be talking about the mattel wwe elite 76 christian the brood christian figure which it's a great figure joe i have no problems with it whatsoever you're going to be busting this one open so maybe you can get into a little bit about the details of this figure but again it comes from the brood era are you going to be busting the regular version the white version or the chase version black version open i know you have both of them right yeah i'm going to be busting the white version up since there's like 25 of them you can buy them anywhere i guess scalpers aren't having a field day with this one huh we uh we haven't done this in a couple weeks well but to get the listeners a little nostalgia here wait wait you ready i'm ready Here we go. Is that is that uh is that bringing you back? Oh yeah, it's bringing me back. Now we need a goddamn Gangrel. Jesus, they made a comment something like it was so funny, and I think they were ribbing us all. But this was on the SDCC Ringside Collectibles Q and A when asked, "Are we getting a Gangrel figure soon?" They were like, "People want a Gangrel figure." So I'm assuming that means they know that people want a Gangrel figure. They were ribbing us a little bit there. Yes, we want a fucking Gangrel figure. (laughs) And I'm assuming that we are going to get one soon. But let me just tell you this, Joe. If you put it into the main elite line, don't put this into the main elite line. Because as you saw with the Christian, they're going to be fucking warming the pegs. Yeah, I I even found Chase version on the pegs. I mean, that's how easy it is to find. You know what I was just thinking about when Christian... When he first came to the WWF and he lost the light heavyweight title to Gilbert. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my Everybody's God. back memories. But yeah, I'm going to be busting this figure open, Will. Uh, it's a cool figure. I like Christian, especially the brood Christian with Edge and Gangrel. It was very cool alliance. I like the three of them. I remember when they defeated the Job Squad. They feuded with the Ministry of Darkness. I mean, it was a really cool era for these type of characters. So um, for Mattel to release this version of Christian, I was excited. I mean, it's definitely a peg warmer. I mean, you got to think of it. Some people nowadays are what collecting these figures. They're 12, 13, 14, 15. They don't know who the fuck this Christian is, you know? Yeah, I just don't think they make the connection. He's got the long hair. He's got glasses on. I think when you are a modern collector and you look at this figure on the pegs, 
other than seeing the name Christian, you you don't immediately identify it with him. He looks so different. Unless you grew up in the era, like you said, us, Attitude Era, especially with these this faction, the Brood, was it a little gimmicky? Was it a little bit the spillover, I say, from like late, early, mid-90s? Of course it was. You know, Brood was like, okay, they're all a bunch of vampires and they're trying to capitalize off of this big vampire thing that's going on, right? But you had three great wrestlers. You had a really cool entrance. And like you said, they feuded with some awesome factions. They had some great matches. It's very memorable. You have two... I want to say you have three uh, three great professional wrestlers, two that went on to exceed everybody's expectations on all levels, including Christian. And yes, he comes in the debut attire with the white shirt, the glasses, the blonde long hair. You got the brood cup there as well, which is awesome. So yeah, get into busting that figure open. I want to hear about the details on the tights and whatnot too, because my figure is hashtag MOC for life. Hashtag MOC, mint on card for life, baby. So let's hear it. Let's hear you bust this open. All right, here we go. You hear that? You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's see here. Uh... At least with these elites, you don't have to pretty much main the package, you know? Make a nice little cut, do a little slide in, a little slide out. Easy, easy. Yeah, you do a little slice here. Uh, open this package up. Easy like Sunday morning. Sunday mornings in the winter. All right, let's see here. All right, Willie. I actually made a mistake. My hand just ripped this whole package open by accident. All right, so he's not going back in here. He ain't going back in. Or maybe he is. I don't know. Or maybe I'll uh, I'll throw it in the pit list after. I don't know. We're gonna find out. <laughs> in a minute. Hey, he's like on the border. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think it looks good. I think the face is a little wonky, but again, we talk about sculpting. This is a, this should I think this is a sculpted situation here. Up, oh, you're popping him out. Oh, he's really in there. Holy shit! All right, well, he's out of the package. Let's see. Let's see what we got here. Ah, oh, man, this figure, this figure is, looks great. Holding it in my hand right now. It's very, very detailed. I got a question real quick. Are the glasses removable? Yeah, I'll pull them out right now and put them on them. I'm re- I'm- oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I thought they were on him. Okay, so they are removable, the glasses. Okay. Yeah, I'm putting them on them right now, actually. They fit. Yeah, actually, they fit perfect. Well, you can put the glasses right on him. So the glasses are currently on him right now. The So starting from the top, well, the hair looks great. The face is pretty much spot on. It's a nice sculpt of Christian. If this version was sculpted, which I'm pretty sure it was the head, he has necklace that he used to wear to the ring. The white ruffled shirt is very nice. Very good detail on the white shirt. Let's see here. Interchangeable hands. His hands look good. Chain looks good. The shades, like I mentioned, are perfect. They fit right on the figure. White ruffled shirt looks good. Let's see. The tights are nice. They're like a purple and black shading mix here and it has the deco the logo with the cross on the left and cross on the right leg which looks like a flame in white and black above that so the logos in white and black on the tights black boots 
and he comes with a set of interchangeable hands and of course the uh, chalice which I'm popping the chalice out right now and it fits perfectly in either hand I put it in the right hand so right now well I have him displayed with his shades on and the chalice in one of his hands this figure looks great it's very very detailed it's a nice uh nice size like I said, I think the best part of this figure, Will, might be the white ruffled shirt. The shirt is great. It's really well done. It looks great with the purple tights. And, you know, you put the glasses and the chalice on the figure. It's fantastic, man. It's uh, I'd give this figure like an A+. Yeah, I think, look, the figure, you know, notwithstanding it being a peg warmer, is a fantastic figure. The f- one question I do have for you about this figure, it's got the necklace on it. It's got that, like you said, you really you liked the white ruffled shirt. Do you think that the figure should have had a cloth good shirt and not have the sculpted shirt arms and plastic shirt? What are your thoughts on that? Holding this figure in my hand, I like the shirt the way it is. If it was a cloth shirt, I don't think I would like my personal opinion. I don't think I like the figure as much. I think the shirt is what makes this figure. Okay. And here's my thought on it as well. I think they wanted to do this molded design for Gangrel as well. So this is going to be reuse. You know what I'm saying? Because the body is not sculpted. The shirt's not sculpted. You know what I'm saying? Like It looks like you could literally put repainted legs on this and a new Gangrel head and you're good to go. Oh, yeah. Well, I would do the if I was doing it, I'd give the I'd make the body a little bigger for Gangrel, but yeah, it's definitely close. It's close. I think you could get away with it because again, the shirt is not that skinny. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think you could probably get away with it. And I think there could be a lot of reuse on this. And I think that's what they were going for here. But then again, you guess you could have done that with a regular shirt as well. So I, I don't know. I think it could go either way, but you do prefer the sculpted shirt arms with the plastic molded shirt rather than you think of soft goods in this situation. Yeah, without a doubt. This figure is awesome. It displays really nice too with the chalice, the glasses. It's really, really cool. Yeah, great figure. Great figure. No, it looks great. That was my only question because, again, I know sometimes the ruffled look, you couldn't get that much of detail if it was like in a soft goods. You know, sometimes it doesn't come out that detail. I guess it makes sense because they wanted to do a chase version of this as well. So, all right. Well, I mean, hey, look, I absolutely love the figure. If you're a Christian fan, it's his first debut attire figure. You got to have it in the collection. If you're not a Christian fan, but you're a fan of this era, I think it's a must have as well. The faction, the brood, is just very memorable in professional wrestling history. Again, three great professional wrestlers came out of it to some of the best of all time. And tune in again next week when we pick another figure or figures to busted open. Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. Are you ready? Wrestling fans, are you ready? 
for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! And welcome everybody to this week's main event. Well, you know what time it is, Joe. It's that time. It's hot out. We're getting into the thick of things. Well, hopefully we're getting out of summer. I mean, geez, I've had enough of this heat. I know. Same here. I think we're we're starting to we're starting to cool down a little bit, at least in the nights here in good old New Jersey. And not too far from us, in the year 1990, over in South Philadelphia at the Spectrum, we're taking you back this week on the main event to the match between the ultimate warrior and ravishing Rick Rude for the WWF, get the F in baby, heavyweight title in their steel cage match. Joe, just to start, man, this match brings back so much memories. Yeah, same here. Well, I always liked these two paired up. I feel like Rick Rude always did a great job wrestling the warrior. He always made him stand out a little more in the match, you know, than his other opponents. Same thing with, uh, I'd say Rick Rude really stands out as one of the best opponents for the warrior. And I got to be honest, man, his attire in this match is one of my favorites he's ever had. I agree. Well, I think what you were going to say is the second person would be the macho man, right? Yeah, yeah. The macho man and Rick Rude were definitely his top two. I agree. Great in-ring chemistry. It shows you because Warrior, as we all know, his in-ring work wasn't the best. So it shows you just how good the ravishing one Rick Rude and the macho man Randy Savage was. Because every time the Warrior was in the ring with these two, I believe, and I think like you said, you do. They just really shined. And just to start, let's give our listeners a little bit of information about this. Well, this was, as we said, held at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Attendance was huge, bro. 19,000 plus. This was a sold out arena in 1990 for SummerSlam. And this is, again, one of our favorite pay-per-views. We were talking about it earlier in the evening Man, just SummerSlam is just synonymous back in the day, whether it was the intro music, whether it was the matches. I mean, we reviewed the SummerSlam 92 match between the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith and Bret Hart. Just coming off of WrestleMania, everybody was just fired up and ready to go, Joe. Yeah, I always loved the rest, uh, excuse me, the SummerSlam cards. The SummerSlam matchups sometimes felt, you know, it's almost like uh WrestleMania again, you know, in the summer. It was like a WrestleMania in the summer to me as a kid. This most of the SummerSlam matchups that they would pair, you know, the guys up with, they were great matches. Even this card, Will, you know, you had Earthquake and Hogan, Heart Foundation and Demolition. It was a pretty stacked card. And then to top it off, you have a steel cage match, Warrior defending the title against Rick Rude. I mean, that just tops it all off. It did. And As you said, they're coming off the heels of WrestleMania. You're putting on a WrestleMania-like card in the summer. And back then in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, I mean, this was one of the big four pay-per-views. So 
know, people got excited about it. I think people get excited about it today as well, but it's a little different. And I think that SummerSlam was put on the back burner for, for several years, let's just say, over the course of the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. But I digress. We're not going to get into that. As you said, Hogan is in this pay-per-view in the match prior to this versus Earthquake. There's a long build to that match. We're not going to get into it. But I think coming off the heels of his WrestleMania loss, they really tried to distance Hogan and Warrior to a certain extent. So they paired Warrior with Rude. And as you said, always loved his always loved their matches together. They were feuding since 89. 89 Royal Rumble, they had the pose down, you know, to show off the muscles and all this stuff. They faced each other at WrestleMania 5 for the Intercontinental Championship. As we all know, Rude won that title. It was a, you know, it was the cheap Bobby Heenan foothold that did it. Coming off the suplex from the outside and, you know, cheat to win, I guess, you know, gets the title from him. And then you have Warrior win the title back at SummerSlam 89 several months later. And he goes on in 90 to defeat Hogan uh, for the world title at WrestleMania 6. Obviously forced to give up the title. And then when he was forced to give that title up, Rick Rude entered the picture again because he was the only one to beat the Warrior in that two-year span and became the top challenger at the SummerSlam 1990 pay-per-view. Now, the match was only, you know, about 10 minutes, so this is not a long match, Joe. Yeah, it goes by pretty quick, Will, the match. It's the rest of the card, you know, the pay-per-view goes pretty... It's a pretty well-put-together pay-per-view, but as far as the main event goes, it's pretty quick. Yeah, like you said, only a 10-minute match to uh, end the SummerSlam. Just to give you a little perspective, listeners, very quick match, 10-minute main event match, Hogan's match, 20 minutes, the Demolition Heart Foundation match, thereabouts 20 minutes. So you have a main event at 10 minutes, but I actually liked the short match. I thought it was nonstop from beginning to end. You had Rude entering first. He's got, you know, he's got his music, but for some reason, the WWE Network re-watching this match changes his entrance music. I don't even know. I hate that they do this. Just buy the rights to the music if you don't have it. You are a multi-million dollar company, right? Just buy the damn rights, man. So he does his introduction. Oh, I love it. You're right. When you watch the pay-per-view, the match on the WWE Network, the music's so fucking loud. You can't even hear the announcers. It's just like that. It's it's yeah, it's it's like dubbed over. They dubbed it over, man. And I don't know why. Like, I guess they didn't have rights to his entrance. <laughs> it's just like I'm sitting there and it's and then it's obviously louder than my than the normal TV volume and it just throws you off and it's just really weird. I'm gonna rewatch some of the some of the other Rick Rude matches and see what the heck is going on there because I don't know what the hell is going on. Getting back to the match, Rick Rude does it. Oh, I want you to know that all you fat, out of shape, Pennsylvania pissants. (laughs) 
to shut up, sit down, and watch me take off my robe and show you what a real man looks like from New Jersey, baby. And then they get like <laughs> they get this shot of this like old cross-eyed guy. I feel bad for him. <laughs> Pennsylvania pissants. They're like they're like this is what the crowd looks like. A lot of people, Joe, in life look a lot different, and we're not going to be the ones to point that out on the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast, as you heard in the last segment, or previous segment, sorry. But they are Pennsylvania pissants. When I was watching rewatching this match, well, I almost thought when the Ultimate Warrior was shaking the cage that it was just going to come apart. Oh, my How God. didn't that, that side come off? Jesus, was, he could have ruined the whole match. Took about QAQC. Talk about QAQC. Quality assurance, quality control. Ultimate fucking warrior. So prior to this match, they all cut promos because it took them about 10 minutes to get this fucking goddamn cage up, right? So they take them about 10 minutes. And during the from the last match, the end of the last match, Hogan, Earthquake, to the beginning of this one takes them about 10 to 15 minutes to get this cage up, right? And all through this 10 or 15 minutes, is just promo after promo after promo after promo. It's just ridiculous, right? So Warrior finally comes out. He's blown up. He is circling the ring like a madman, like he always does. And then, like you said, he climbs to the fucking cage. He shakes that cage. And I thought it was going to come down. Roddy Reddy Piper is the announcer. Roddy Reddy Piper is the announcer because... Jesse the body quit or some shit like that. He was having a problem just before this pay-per-view. And he even said, well, we know the cage is on, right? (laughs) He, I'm surprised it didn't come apart. I agree. I don't know how it didn't. And then this is Ultimate Warrior doing his QAQC. They start the match. He climbs up to the cage finally because Rude interrupts him while being on the top of the cage. He starts battling Rude from the top of the cage. Rude falls off the cage into the ring. Warrior climbs back into the ring to the top rope and then gives him a single axe handle from the top rope. And then that's it. Warrior starts going crazy on Rude. So he starts going crazy on Rude and he keeps throwing Rude into the cage. Like the side he just shook, the other side. Now you think the cage is going to come apart. I know. On top of that, you're like, oh, my God. And then he he splits them open. He splits them open. I think it was a blade, dude. Rude never bladed. I seriously, and I could be wrong here because he wasn't bleeding profusely. I could be completely wrong, and I don't know the backstory to this, but I think he literally busted Rude open. Yeah, I think so. He throws him into the cage probably about five or six times, bro. And again. The velocity in which he's thrown Root into this cage, you think it's going to come apart. I mean, talk about lawsuit and liability. Holy shit. They, I'm, oh, my God, Joe. So anyway, Root finally goes on the offensive after Warrior, after 15 times throwing Root into the cage. Warrior actually tries to go for a shoulder block. He misses, and then he falls into the cage hard. And then Root does that. He... he Shoving Ultimate Warrior into the cage left and right. Look, the match is fast paced. It's quick. It builds up from here. You know, you have Rick Rude going on the offensive. Warrior gets some steam back. Rick Rude then tries for a Rude Awakening. Doesn't happen. 
Rick Rude, he literally goes to the top of the cage. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. All that for like an axe Ooh. handle. For an axe handle. I'm like, what the fuck was the point of that? He could have just jumped out of the cage. Well, that's what they keep saying. So they say, you know what? He wants to finish him off. He wants to punish him. This, that. But from the per- from a person's perspective, you're like, I mean, he could have been the fucking champion. What is he doing? Yeah. And an axe handle and a single axe handle. Like his, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, they, they, it was really weird. They did these like Ricky Steamboat single axe handles in these matches. Very scripted, I think. Regardless, it still flowed. And that's what was important, right? I mean, again, it was action packed. I mean, there wasn't a part time where they were like on the map for an extended period of time. It was very fast paced. It flowed. It was 10 minutes. You know, it gets to the point after this where they're they're going back and forth. They're both trying to escape the cage in various ways, mostly through the door. Warrior tries to escape through the door, but Bobby actually slams the door in Warrior's face, takes him out. Rude finally tries to get out of the cage, and Bobby's pulling him, trying to pull him out, trying to pull Rude out because he's on the mat. Warrior's got him by the legs, and then Warrior jumps over Rude, brings Bobby into the cage. Does the big, you know, manager spot where he does an atomic drop on Bobby, takes him out of the pitcher. And then finally, he goes for the press slam warrior on Rude, gets the press slam where it climbs out out of the cage. Match over. Very easy. Very simple. And then it almost looked like he was about to climb back in the ring at one point. It did. It did. Maybe to, you know, just taunt him. Does pause there. He does the, you know, the the swiveling of the hips. And then he finally jumps down and you're like, oh, Jesus, thank God. Look, again, I thought it was a very entertaining match for what it was. Warrior continues to celebrate. He's twisting the belt around. He's got the blue winged eagle title. He's taunting rude. Even in he goes back into the ring. Back into the cage. He's up and up and down, up and down, posing, doing his poses, doing his poses. The funniest thing about all this is he just didn't get the pop that Hogan got. It was kind of interesting. Coming off that big WrestleMania and obviously coming off that big WrestleMania and giving the Warrior the big push, putting him in a main event match, he gets cut on time. And the crowd isn't as popping as big as they were for Hogan. Yeah, they definitely were. And it could have been that maybe they're like, we've seen this match a couple times already. You know, these two paired up. I mean, it was a sellout crowd, but I think it was the whole card together for this one. And the Warrior, yeah, and maybe they just weren't as amped up as they used to be. You know, they're seeing the same thing over and over and over again. I think so. And even with Hogan, I just think the break he had, you know, th- the storyline was Earthquake beat him up on the Brother Love show or whatever show he was on, and he got carted out in the stretcher, and he was away for two months, three months, whatever it was, right? So I think people were just amped to see Hogan back. Yeah, and even then the back. I like yeah, the matchup to- with Earthquake. I like those two oh, paired. Oh, my God, I loved them. And John Tenta in that, and I don't want to, we don't want to go too much into that prior match, but fucking John Tenta, man, is, is golden. Like he is one of the best big bands of all time. And you watch the SummerSlam 92 match between him and Hogan and him go 20 plus minutes. It blew 
blew me away, bro. Yeah. I liked his matches as a kid. And seeing Earthquake in the ring, I was like, man, this guy is great. You know, great big man. Great big man, agile. He goes up for elbow drops, man. He gets height on him. Yeah, he does. And his finisher, of course, you know, you were waiting for that. All right, we got to stop anyway. talking about Tenta. We got to say, I I could go on and on. I, I loved him versus Yokozuna in the sumo matches. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I know. And I like the attire. I like the blue boots, you know. It all goes hand oh, in hand. Oh, oh. We have not got a proper earthquake. I want that. Talking about figures, we're going to get into the figures now real quick. But we have not got a proper earthquake. Anyway, after the match, just to give our listeners a little bit of perspective, actually, Rude gets injured in the fall. He actually has disputes with the WWE about the payout or the WWF about the payout for that SummerSlam 90 match for his subsequent matches, his contract, his payout for his injury. He sits home during all of 91 until the contract ends. And then obviously, you know what happens after that. He goes to WCW, ECW. He's jumping around everywhere. So anyway, what we like to do on the main event is choose the figure or figures which best represent the match in this week's main event. And those figures, as you all should know, this is not a surprise, are going to be by Mattel from their WWE line, specifically their elite line. And we'll start with the challenger. We feel the best figure that best represents this match is the Mattel WWE Legend Series 2 Rick Rude. Now, this was actually released in the summer of 2010. And Joe, this figure is awesome. And you said you liked the attires for these wrestlers in the beginning of the main event. Well, I mean, now we got them in figure form. Yeah. I, uh, I'm actually trying to see it loose because, you know, I, I uh, have it on card. I wanted to check it out loose, see what the back looks like. Yeah, unfortunately, in this route, in 2010, Mattel didn't have the rights to produce Ultimate Warrior figures. Ultimate Warrior, the warrior, was not signed under a WWE Legends deal at the time. So, for this... Rick Rude, SummerSlam 90-inspired figure, there's nothing on the back of his tights. It looks like they nailed the front, but yeah, the back doesn't have that awesome, you know, that awesome design. Yeah, it's just plain. Yeah, and that awesome design is Warrior and Rude, basically, right? Yeah, that that design on the back is crazy. I, I love the front, too, though. The front with the SummerSlam, you know, the heat. I love the front. He's got his face on the front, right? In his crotch area, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then it's got the the kind of like fire logos up and down the, you know, the, the legs. It's an amazing figure. It says the heat returns on both legs, which is cool. Yes. Yes. The heat returns. And I believe this is the first Rick Rude figure we ever had in any line with the short hair. Yeah. All the other figures they released, he had his long hair. This might be the only one with the short hair. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is too. So it's pretty much an exact match, guys. 
guys and gals, it's pretty much an exact match. Again, you don't get the detail on the back of the tights because Warrior was not signed under a WWE Legends deal at the time. So that is a little bit unfortunate. And hopefully Mattel will revisit this figure in the future. The next figure is another Mattel figure from the WWE Hall of Fame Target Exclusive Series. And this is pretty much, again, an exact match of the Warrior from SummerSlam 1990. He comes decked out with the blue belt, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's an exact match. There's a few things that are eh, a little off, but it's an amazing attire. He's got the kind of blondish hair. He's got the blue belt. I love the tights. It's got the out of control. What do you think of the figure, Joe? I actually will. When this figure was released, I wasn't that excited about it. I'm still not that excited about it looking back on it. I like the belt. The attire's pretty close, but for me, well, I skipped over this uh, version of the warrior, to be honest. Hey, look, I am a big warrior, Mark, so I just I needed to complete the the collection uh, with this, you know, SummerSlam 1990 match. I also love the fact that we got a blue winged eagle title, so that was like a big selling point for me you know yeah the belt looks great the belt's great the belt's fantastic the only problem i do have with the figure is actually the the warrior boots he wore cowboy boots during the match but they're not of that design i agree that the the attire itself is a little lackluster and what do you think about the head sculpt because people have said to me that they don't like it they just don't like the head sculpt. Is that one of the reasons why you didn't buy this? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just felt at the time, I just, yeah, I'm not too excited about the head sculpt. I think it's kind of, eh, you know, just the figure in general. I'm just like, eh, it's not something I really need, Will. So yeah, to add, the head sculpt kind of adds to it a little bit. I'm not that thrilled with it. Overall, the figure in general, besides the belt, I just wasn't, eh, you know, I wasn't feeling it. Totally understandable, my friend. Totally understandable. But it. Unfortunately, is the figure that best represents this match. So yeah, it definitely does. I do like I do like the black trunks, the trunks with the logo out of control. That's probably the best part of the figure for me. Yeah, it wasn't one of his most memorable attires for a match, right? He didn't have like a duster or anything or a jacket. He didn't have anything painted on his chest. It's really interesting for such a marquee match, cage match. He didn't really get decked out here. Yeah, and yeah, not not that much. No. You know, at least Root, you know, Root had his robe, had his beautiful tights. They were all done up like he always did. Warrior just came out with some trunks and a new new looking belt. And that was it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. This warrior I definitely like. Thinking of another warrior from the Hall of Fame line, the one with the two pack with the Papa Shango. I think I dislike that one even more. Shorter hair look. Yeah, I don't like that Papa Shango either. Yeah, that two-pack is just, ugh. Oof, that face sculpt is not good. You know what I would have loved for them to do? They should have gave him the jacket. You know, the old school, like, chalk line jacket? Yeah. With that figure when black blood was coming down out of his face. and Yeah, he was throwing throwing it up everywhere. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god. How crazy would that figure have been? It would have been night and day compared to what we got. 
That's for sure. I'll tell you. Not a fan of that one as oh well. Oh my God. Somebody, I, yeah, I was looking at the figure loose. Somebody has the Ultimate Warrior Hall of Fame mask for $500 on eBay. You remember that little mask they were wearing or handing out? Yeah. Yeah. The Hall of Fame one when he retired, right? Yeah, the night before he passed away. For $500? bucks for this. Joe, have people gone insane? Yeah, they have. They're okay. trying to sell loose basics for like $30. What? I couldn't give away 16 loose basics <laughs> for 75 bucks a month ago. <laughs> Nobody wanted to buy it. People are crazy, man. Everyone's uh, everyone's in the selling game now. You know, they know what they're doing, apparently. Oh, God. Look, Joe's a big time veteran of selling. So I trust his judgment more than anybody when it comes to selling any sort of toy or action figure. 500 bucks. Let me ask you this question, Joe. Aside from the warrior mask. How much do you think the rude and how much do you think this warrior is on the market right now. What do you think of the prices of these two? If they if you wanted to add them to your collection. The Hall of Fame Warrior is probably like 40 bucks. I would say 40, 50 bucks. Not bad. Not bad. So again, I mean I don't mind the Hall of Fame Warrior. I I, I actually like it for the blue title more than anything. So 40 bucks, very affordable. How about the Legends Rude? The Legends Rude in good condition, I'd say easily it's over a hundred bucks, maybe one twenty. Ooh, and that's hashtag mint on card, right? MOC for life. Yep. I'd say roughly, yeah, it's probably, if you want a nice card, you know, some of them, you know, if the cards are a little damaged, maybe 80, 85. But if you want like a mint card, it's definitely probably like between 100, 120 bucks. So not too bad. So let's just say even if you, you know, you wanted something that was busted open, you thinking about 80 bucks, right? On average. Yeah. Something like that. All right. Yeah, so an again, average probably like 80 bucks. All right. Not not terrible. Because, I mean, you can get legends that are upwards of $200 almost. Look at the Defining Moments Macho Man or Bret Hart or, you know, Undertake. Prices are out of control. These are two Mattel figures that are pretty affordable for your collection. And I think you need them in the collection just because it is SummerSlam season. We took you back this week to SummerSlam 1990. And that is the one, two, three on this week's made event. So tune in next week for another great edition because the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast is the gold standard in wrestling figure birth.